Well, imagine you're in Rome in AD 64 and you're walking down the streets and you come, you're nearing the Colosseum and you see these crowds flowing into the Colosseum, happy, going in, just flocking in, and you, you sort of decide to turn in and see what's going on. What is the show today? Why are people going in? What are they going to look at? Is it entertainment? A play maybe? Is it, is it a game? Certainly we know it's not football, right? No, what you witness as you go in, maybe to your horror, horror that day, is that there's this group of people huddled in the middle of the Colosseum, and as the people are shouting and cheering and saying something about atheists, they, they let loose lions to devour those people. The apostles of Jesus changed the world. But that all but one of them paid the ultimate price for that. And John probably had many times when he wished that, you know, it, it, he had been sent on to Christ as well. Paul too. Paul we see here with Paul and Barnabas. Paul will be martyred under Nero. Why? Why is all of this happening to the Christians? Because they are owning the gospel. They are trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ. They are refusing the gods of the culture. And taking a stand on the gospel. Paul was Saul. Who was a guy. Paul, Remember Saul? He was trying to stamp out the church. He was a Jew, a Pharisee, very devoted, beyond his peers. He saw the gospel as, and the church as this sect and this error. And so he took it upon himself to stamp it out. And it's because of his persecution in Acts 8 that the gospel spread wider. And churches were born. And people were converted. And eventually Saul is converted. Named Paul, his Greek name, Saul is his Hebrew name. And now he's preaching the gospel. He tried to stamp out. And we've seen him go from conversion to preaching to persecution to, and, and fleeing to Tarsus. Back, Barnabas brings him into the ministry. He's part of the church there at Antioch of Syria. And so he's sent out. He and Barnabas are sent out as missionaries on this missionary journey to take the gospel to the world. So they go out through Cyprus up into what's modern day Turkey. The first missionary journey is shorter than the others. A little bit moving around in Turkey, back down and back to Antioch. But they're doing this not to take a short term mission trip, not to have some sort of glorified vacation. They are taking the gospel so that people will be converted and they are paying the price. Before his death for Christ, Paul saw success and suffering as he faithfully proclaimed the gospel. And today we see in, in 14, 19 through the end of the chapter, really especially 14, 19 to 23. Uh, I won't say much about the, the end of the chapter verses. We'll refresh on those as we move forward into, into 15. But we'll see both opposition and what looks like failure if we're just looking with human eyes. And we'll also see success and disciples being made. And those two always go together. 
If we're faithful with the gospel, we will be both opposed and loved. And we just have to be okay with that. Successful, main point today, successful church planting requires proclaiming a gospel that will be both hated and loved. Successful disciple making, successful church planting requires proclaiming a gospel that will be both hated and loved. Scripture is real about both of those being a reality. And it's something that as we're seeking to be witnesses like what we see in the early church and in the book of Acts, one of those things that we have to be okay with. Not us being offensive, but the gospel by its very nature will be offensive sometimes. So successful church planting requires proclaiming a gospel that will be both hated and loved. And we'll see the hatred first. Look in verse 1. First point, stoned for the gospel. Catchy title. I hope you didn't think something else. We're just really not that hip. Nobody should be. But Jews came from Antioch. Now watch this. And Iconium. These are not Jews from Lystra. This is not their hometown. Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul, dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. These people walked over a hundred miles to come to Lystra to seek to stamp out this gospel thing. Paul, this, this Paul guy, this, he is polluting Judaism. He must be stopped. It kind of reminds you of, of Saul's journey to Damascus where he was going to stamp out the gospel. Not the same result in this one. It says that he was stoned. The crowd stoned him. A Jewish form of capital punishment. Do you know what stoning was? I mean, they're not throwing marbles. Right? The picture, that picture. You can see those look like bowling balls to me. But big rocks. Crowd gathered around. Usually what would happen is, and sometimes they would throw them in a hole. Rain down stones upon them. But what would happen usually is the one bringing the charge first would, would throw the first stone. And then the, the witnesses or the ones supporting that would throw. And then everybody would just rain down stones upon this person. And they're not aiming at the feet. This is meant to kill. And you saw it happen when we saw Stephen stoning in early in, in chapter 8. I mean, this is, this is to kill. Imagine, just imagine being hit in the head with rocks like that. Paul was stoned and he was dragged out of the city and he was left for dead. And I think he was dead. I think that's the only way you explain what happened here and the result of what flows out of it. Is God raising him and picturing Jesus' resurrection, but raising him from the dead. But he was stoned and he was dragged out of the city and they're supposing that he's dead. Paul and all the apostles, we just have more information from him. All the apostles endured much for their faithfulness to the gospel. So you want to be an apostle. Look at this, 2 Corinthians eleven twenty four to 27 Paul just lays out some of the things he suffered and has left marks for Jesus on his body. He will say in other places. But he says, five times I received at the hands of the Jews the forty lashes, lest one. Three times I was beaten with rods. That's Gentile punishment. Beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. We're looking at that. 
Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys in danger from rivers and danger from robbers and dangers from my own people, dangers from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. Why? All for the gospel. Want to be an apostle? Well, you can't because you didn't follow Jesus around. But suffered much for the gospel. Think about the prophets in the Old Testament. The faithful prophets. Persecuted. Rejected. Spoken evil of. Killed. God's truth is never widely well received. Especially in unbelieving culture. Because it's an affront to, the, to everything that we're born with. And you see just a glimpse of what Paul has suffered for the ministry. And he's discipling Timothy, his child in the faith. Look what he says in 2 Timothy, the last letter he'll ever write. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness. Now watch, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch. We've seen it. Iconium, we've seen it. And at Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from all of them the Lord rescued me. Now watch this, and own, we better own this, because there's an all here. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Why? Because all who desire to live a godly life in, in Jesus will be gospel people. We carry the gospel with us. We are the fragrance of Christ wherever we go. And some people won't like that. And young people, our job as Christians is not to be popular. That's not to be nasty either. It's not to be jerks and be rejected. Because, but it's to be faithful. Faithful to Jesus. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. All who desire to live a godly life will be persecuted. We've seen it in the faithful prophets in the Old Testament. We see it in the apostles in the New Testament. I mean, who's the prototypical example of this? Jesus came and he was hated because he pointed out the evil of the culture for a good reason. He came to save sinners. But to save sinners, we have to know that we are sinners. We have to tell people that they're sinners. And not everybody likes that. Jesus explains in John 15, 18 to 19, if the world hates you, and if you're faithful to Jesus, the world, what's the world there? The unbelieving world. Those who are not Christians. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. All you have to look to is the cross to see that. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. And listen, the church spends so much time, I put church in quotes, so much time trying to make the world love the church. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you're not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. The unbelieving lost world system will hate us if we're gospel faithful. Why? 
Well, thankfully, Paul answers that. 1 Corinthians 1.18. For the word of the cross, that's the gospel, it's the word of the cross, is folly or foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. The gospel is the power of God for salvation for the Jew first and then the Gentile, Paul will write in Romans. But it's foolishness to those who are perishing. And it will be rejected and refused and suppressed by those who don't know Jesus. Unless God is at work in their hearts to bring them to faith. Many of us, before we ever came to faith, we put Christians through a lot, didn't we? I did. I used to love to play basketball with them because they had a nice basketball court, but I hated when they started talking to me about my language and all that. But then one day God changed my heart, and suddenly I wanted to be with those weird people I never wanted to be with unless they had a basketball court. There's a price that comes with being a Christian if we're faithful to Christ. And there's a price that comes with being faithful with the gospel. And by, what I mean by being, being faithful with it is not hiding it. I've got it. I, I have God's grace. I'm going to heaven and I'm just not going to talk about it. But being faithful with it is, as it was, came to us, we're, we're like a river and not a, we don't have a dam. You know, the gospel needs to flow through us to those around us in love with gentleness all that's true not harshness but if we're faithful with the gospel we will pay a price and we have to be willing to pay that price i mean i remember the most one of the most intimidating sermons i've ever preached was before the seminary faculty when i before i graduated seminary what they called the senior sermon it's really the senior sweat but i chose to preach from second timothy 4 preach the word and developed in that sermon a recurring echo of preach the word and pay the price. Because not everybody's going to love it. Share the gospel and pay the price. See, I've already mentioned the prophets, but there were true prophets in the Old Testament. And they're true preachers and teachers in the New Testament. And they preached a gospel that was hated. They talked about God and His holiness. They talked about sin. They talked about wrath as well as faith and forgiveness and grace. See, in order for somebody to understand the gospel, gospel means good news, good news about Jesus, His life, death, burial, and resurrection. In order increasingly in our culture for somebody to understand that and see that as good news, they have to know the bad news. The good news of salvation comes upon the heels of knowing the bad news of lostness. If you're, we're born sinners, we're born under the wrath of God, we're born under condemnation, we're born needing a Savior. You can't save yourself. You're not good and you can't be good. You have to repent and trust Jesus. That's the message. And the ones that were faithful with that were loved and hated. We'll see it in the text and I'll get to that in a minute. But the false prophets and the false teachers they don't threaten anybody. They just water it down. They cut the edges. They make it about you and you being blessed and prospering. And <clears throat> It's true. I want you to be blessed and prosper, but not the way they define it. A false teacher will never talk about God's judgment unless it suits the purpose of that day. He'll never talk about sin. He'll never talk about wrath. 
Sure, he'll talk about grace. Free gift of the gospel. Watered down. False teachers and true teachers are here today. How do I tell the difference? Well, here's one way. False teachers are what's called ear ticklers. And they're tickle, they tickle ears because people like it. We store up teachers to tickle our ears, it says in that 2 Corinthians 4 passage. They're ear ticklers and ear pinchers, if you want to put it that way. But there are a lot of ear ticklers around today. Joel Osteen is one. You might get mad at me and never come back. Joel Osteen is an ear tickler. How do you think he feels that stadium? Joseph Prince. Joyce Meyer, Kenneth Copeland, Creflo Dollar. I always get tickled when I hear that name. Prosperity preacher named Creflo Dollar. Jesse Duplantis. These people want you to buy them jets so they can spread this foolishness all over the world that they're preaching. And yes, that's what I see. A faithful shepherd will warn you against false shepherds. There are pied pipers out there that will pied pipe you all the way to hell and get all your money in the process. They write bestsellers. They fill stadiums. They lead big rah-rah sessions. And you know what? People love it. People love it because they never, they're never confronted. They're just told how to be blessed, how to have fun, how to enjoy life, how to have more. It's a glorified form of greed that they preach, which is not really glorified. But they wouldn't be so popular if people didn't love it. Old Testament, same thing. Look what God said to Jeremiah about idolatrous Israel. He said, an appalling, this is God speaking, an appalling and horrible thing has happened in the land. The prophets prophesy falsely and the priests rule at their direction and my people rebuke them and run them off. Wake up and look at what I'm quoting. My people love to have it so. An appalling and horrible thing has happened in the land. The prophets prophesy falsely and the priests rule at their direction. Not God's direction is the implication. And my people love to have it so. But watch this. But what will you do when the end comes? False teachers never prepare you to die. They never even talk about it. Never. I want to give you a few quotes and I know this guy's popular. And I know he'll hold his Bible up and claim he's going to preach it and then he lays it down and he don't. But the world loves Joel Osteen. Why? Because he's like the false prophets in the Old Testament. And I could name a bunch of others and I named a few of them a while ago. But you say, let me just give you a few quotes. I searched, I don't know how many of his blog posts for the word sin. And you know, the only, only time those three letters came up was contained in the word blessing. Otherwise, it never came up. That's a false teacher. He's not preaching the gospel. But listen, I'll give you a few quotes if I can contain myself. If you like these quotes, we need to read deeper. First quote from Joel Osteen. When you focus on being a blessing, God makes sure that you're always blessed in abundance. 
get a little nauseated when you read that? No, he liked it. Oh, yeah, bless me. Tell that to Paul. Tell that to Stephen. Tell that to Jesus. Tell that to anybody who's suffering God, uh, serving God faithfully in the church, but has to deal with the death of a loved one or a sickness that abides and they have, or some trial. That is not true. That is not biblical. Often the people who are most faithful are the people who suffer the most. You don't hear count it all joy that you've fallen into various trials. You hear four ways to get out of every trial. By giving money. Let me give you another one. I'm sorry, my blood pressure goes up. when I, These guys are doing harm in God's church. And it, it doesn't make me happy. Look at this one. Life's too short to spend, time, spend it trying to keep others happy. You can't please everyone. So far, eh, it's okay. Now watch this. Destiny is a big word with these false teachers these days, by the way. To fulfill your destiny, stay true to the Word of God. That's the worst advice you could get. Stay true to your heart. I literally feel a little bit queasy even reading that to you. To fulfill your destiny? I mean, it sounds like the emperor on Star Wars. Fulfill your destiny, Luke. <laughs> Stay true to your heart. Is your heart the measure of all things? It better not be. It lies to you all the time. It covets. It creates idols. It, it takes verses like this. Pick one here, cafeteria style, and cobbles them together so that you have your dream okay. That's poison. That's not minor. And that characterizes all of this, sorry parents, crap. One more, now that's all I can do. I'm going to hold on while I read it. God would not have put a dream in your heart if He had not already given you everything you need to fulfill it. See, so you follow your heart and you see what dream's in there. And that's God's dream for you and He's given you everything you need to fulfill it. Where would I be if that was true now? Where would I be now? Probably dead in hell. But that's terrible. That's awful. God's your genie. Rub the lamp. It's all about you fulfilling your dreams and your destiny. I will be lovingly honest enough with you to tell you if that's what you want, you won't get that here. Because I want to point you to Jesus and faithfulness in Him and into the true Gospel and have you doubt your heart and trust His Word. In this world you will have trouble, Jesus said. No way around it. But be of good cheer for I have overcome it for, for you. I am warning you against people that you should not be listening to. But, I, but it, it gives me a pump up when I... I know that's what it's supposed to do. But it's not a gospel pump up. The world loves this guy. Why? I mean... 
A couple of things. Larry King. Uh, where are you going, Jeff? I'm sorry. Larry King, y'all don't even know who he is, a lot of young folks. He's already off. He's doing vitamin commercials now. But he used to... <laughs> He used to have John MacArthur on and others on, and he would have Joel Osteen with him. And he would ask him questions like, is Jesus the only way to salvation? And you know what John MacArthur would say. Yes, Larry, and here's why, and he would give him the word. Joel Osteen would say, well, I don't know. Big smile. Not my job to judge other people. I just don't feel like that's what I ought to be. It's the word. You know, is homosexuality a sin? Yeah, I went there. John MacArthur, word, yes, but hope, gospel, grace. Not the only sin, not the unforgivable sin, but it is a sin. Joel Osteen, well, I don't know. I just don't feel like it's my job to, you're not judging people if you believe in the word and preaching the gospel. The man doesn't preach the gospel. He doesn't stand on the word of God and you should not be listening to him. And I'll stop with that because I, I don't know if I can finish if I don't. But... False teachers are loved. If it, I can't quit. If you just go look at a picture of the man's house and don't think you ought to be listening to somebody else, something's wrong. False teachers are loved by the world. False teachers don't offend anybody. False teachers would never get stoned. But faithful teachers are often rejected, despised, and stoned. They know that. They, in order to, 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 to do what God has called them to do, they have to preach the Word. And they know that the Word is going to greatly offend some. God is going to use it to save others. And some will just not pay attention. Illustration is, think of a police officer. This is a world, you know, natural where we live, illustration, but a police officer these days, when he puts on that uniform and goes out into the streets of America, if he's doing his job right and enforcing the law, you know what? He knows he's going to be hated, he's going to be loved, and everything in between. But he puts on the, the uniform because he's representing not himself, he's representing his, his city, his county, his country, and enforcing the laws that are on the books and those laws for our good. But he will experience rejection. By the way, our, our public servants need our encouragement because they are under pressure like no other time. But if a good police officer goes out to enforce the law, he's going to face opposition. If a gospel, if a Christian goes out to be faithful with the gospel... We're going to face opposition, but we're going to also see blessing. And thankfully, in this text, you're probably tired of my face being red and my blood pressure being high. In this text, there's also success. Verse 20. Now watch this. Paul has been stoned. He's been dragged out of the city. He's been left for dead. And these people were good at telling when people are dead. Right? But we're going to have a resurrection and disciples made from here. In verse 20, when the disciples gathered about him, he rose up. And look, he went back into the city. That's pretty bold. He rose up and entered the city. And on the next day, he went with Barnabas to Derby. Now this, Paul was just stoned. And you saw the stones in the picture. He was probably dead. But imagine those stones battering your body. This is a lot of people with a lot of rocks, right? The people that were worshiping him last week, 
Zeus and Hermes are stoning him this week. That's how fickle the world is. Because troublemakers have come from outside as well. Then the disciples gathered about him, prayed, I'm sure. He rose up, entered the city, and the next day they go on to Derby. So they move on to Derby, and look at what it says. When they had preached the, the gospel to that city, Derby, and made many disciples. I'm going to stop there. When they had preached the gospel and made many disciples. They, pre- they kept preaching the gospel. Paul didn't get up out of that pit or get up off that ground and would not turn his head and say, you know, this is just not working for me. I've been faithful as I could be to Jesus and look what happened to me. Some of y'all talk to yourself like that, don't you? In this world, you will have trouble. Be of good cheer when you encounter various trials. But no, he's pressed on in the message. Because for him to live is Christ and to die is gain. Our theme verse. And look what happened. So he's been rejected. He's already seen disciples made. There's this mixture of hatred and love, of persecution and disciple making. And it, and it continues. But in this instance, they, they went on to Derby, They preached the gospel and made many disciples. First, what is the gospel? The gospel is smallest form I can get it. The good news about Jesus. That he lived, died, and was raised from the grave. Why did he come? Bad news. God is holy and just. We have sinned against him. We are under condemnation. We can't save ourselves. So God sends his son to fulfill his own law. So that he can provide a righteousness that we don't have. To die for our sins so that our sins can be washed away. To be raised from the grave so that we can be declared righteous in God's courtroom and accepted as His children and spend eternity with Him in heaven. Christ died not because people were mean primarily. They were. Not because they were evil and hated the gospel. They were. But God sovereignly at work through those circumstances, people making their own decisions and responsible for them. His son was on that cross. He was crucified. And on that cross, he not only bore the physical pain, but he bore the spiritual wrath due his people. He satisfied justice for us. He died for our sins. He was buried and he was raised from the grave. And what must we do to be saved? So now we clean up our act and do as good as we can and He'll make up the rest, right? It's a free gift because He died, lived, died, and was raised from the grave. What He requires is faith to trust Him. We must repent because we have to go from unbelief to faith, right? To trusting and from loving sin to loving Him. That's all the work the Spirit does in our hearts. But we trust Him and we follow Him. That's what a disciple... Look in this text. It said they, they made many disciples. The disciples gathered around Him. He preached the gospel. And when they, in verse 21, made many disciples. A disciple and a Christian are the same thing. It's not two different categories, right? A Christian's not just kind of the easy way in. And then if you're really serious, you're a disciple. You're a disciple or you're not a Christian. Okay? A disciple is one who trusts in and follows after Jesus. Great commission. Win them, baptize them, and teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. A disciple is one who trusts Jesus for the salvation. 
for their salvation. And now because he's, he's died for us, he's sacrificed himself for us, we love him and desire to follow after him, which means joyfully we, we take in and obey his word. So the disciples are made. So we have success here, and that's, that's good. The guy who was stoned and now has, is raised and now is still part of the disciple-making process, they're seeing success at Derby, And they've made many disciples. And it says this in verse 21, When they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, right back into the lion's mouth. Why did they do that? They returned to Lystra and to Iconium and Antioch. They're retracing their steps. Not fearing opposition. They're retracing their steps to do what? Strengthening the souls of the disciples and encouraging them to continue in the faith. So they go, they've gone out through this loop through Cyprus and up into Turkey and it's kind of it's hit an end point and now they're retracing their steps. They're going back through and encouraging and teaching the ones who have come to faith in Jesus. They didn't abandon them because there were trouble. And you'll see them on the other missionary journeys going back through and strengthening, encouraging, doing the teaching part of the Great Commission. They were strengthening their souls with the truth and the truth about God's grace and encouraging them to continue in the faith even though there's trouble. Now watch what it says. And saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. There's the faithful teacher right there. You're going to have trouble. Jesus is going to go through it with you and he's going to make it work for you. In other words, it's not going to build you a mansion, but it's going to make you more like him. Through many tribulations, through many troubles, you are going to face trouble. Paul in it, they're saying you guys are going to face rejection and trouble like we did from the culture. It's going to be hard growing in grace. There's everything feels like sometimes it's opposing you. You're going to have hardships in your life just like everybody else does, but you don't do it alone. That's why you can count it all joy. Go back and read James chapter one, because God is at work. Through the trials, making you like Jesus. God does not promise to deliver you from every trial. Some he does, and some he doesn't, and some are lifelong things we have to deal with. But the gospel is big enough to give us joy and growth in the midst of our trouble. And if you'll only be happy when things are easy, you're going to have a really, really hard Christian life. No matter how much money you send to whoever. You'll even have a harder Christian life to send all your money to those people. Oh. But they taught them and told them through many troubles in this life we fully enter. Think of it that way, the kingdom of God. I mean, the kingdom's come. It's been inaugurated. When we're saved, we are brought into the kingdom of God. But it's not completed. We're not completely until we're glorified, freed from all sin. And so through many troubles, there's no way to avoid it. Through a lot of trouble, but we go through that trouble with Jesus. It's through trouble that we go through into the kingdom of God. Notice they didn't say your breakthrough is just around a corner. If you'll just do this, God will make it easy. This is the way to be delivered from this trouble. That's not what they taught because that's false. Theology. I hate to use the word theology for it. But I'm a Christian now. So. Through many tribulations we must enter. Now watch this. Disciples have been won. They're going back through and strengthening those disciples. But more than that, verse 23, churches are planted. How does a church get planted, by the way? 
I mean, especially in a culture like this, nobody knew Jesus. So they went through with the gospel. People were converted and churches were planted. Right? I mean, these days, churches plant is usually a mixture of transfer, people coming in who know Jesus and souls being one to Jesus. But watch this. They're not satisfied with just people coming to believe in Jesus because that's not God's plan. Look, it says in verse 23, And when they had appointed elders for them in every church, with prayer and fasting, they committed them, probably the, not just the elders, the whole church, committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. So they went back through teaching the disciples and organizing the churches and appointing pastors, plural, for every church, singular. That's the biblical model. You don't take this and put it all on one person, it, it, it will kill them, right? The biblical model is pastors, plural, in every church, singular. And pastors are pastors, elders, shepherds, bishops. That's all the same office, not some hierarchy. Those words are used interchangeably in the New Testament. And in this church, you have two pastors. Mike is one, Mike Neandria, and I'm the other. And we, we see God developing that in other lives. And Lord willing, maybe someday we'll have seven or eight. Who knows? Or whatever. And plurality of deacons comes along with that, but that's another time. But what I want you to see is they had been sent out by an organized church that was missions-minded. This, this wasn't all just happening. Fly by the seat of their pants. And so the mission is to go preach the gospel, win disciples, and organize churches. If, if you're, Christianity is, is, is made up of organized churches. There's allergies to that these days. Postmodern mindset, no authority. Everybody just do what they want to do. Uh, yeah. You hear things like, you know, you don't go to church, you are the church. Well, isn't that cool? <laughs> that solves everything, doesn't it? Yes, you are the church that God commands to gather in worship and to be on mission. And, and to have a structure. So they, they, they're organizing churches, they're planting churches, and they're, they're, they're appointing pastors for each church. And committing all of them to the Lord. And then I'll just read this quickly. We'll talk more about this later. But they're returning now. If you want to put that map up. Just a little map. But they, they've gone to the end. And now they're coming back through. Uh, but it says they passed through Pisidia to Pamphylia. And when they had spoken the word in Perga. They went down to Italia. And from there they sailed to Antioch. Where they had been commended. Notice what they were commended to when they started. To the grace of God. For the work that was planned. That they had completed. And we'll see an ever increasing loop. As the missionary journeys go forward. But they left Antioch. Antioch in Syria was the sending point. Not Jerusalem. Which is down here. Not in opposition to Jerusalem. But this church was planted through persecution. And the people being spread. And the gospel going with them. And people being saved. And church bird. Apostles come. And you have organization here. And Paul and Barnabas were commissioned and sent out. And that is kind of the loop they made on the missionary journey. All the way around to Derby, And then they didn't just come right back. They went back through teaching and strengthening and organizing the churches. And now they're back in the sending church. And they're enjoying fellowship and refreshment and recuperation. They're reporting of all the things God has done with them. And how he's opened a door to the Gentiles through their trip. So that's, that's the text we're going to cover. Just a few thoughts and we're done. The true gospel is both loved and hated. You've already said that. I know repetition is one of the laws of teaching, right? 
Are you proclaiming, here's the convicting part for me, when you talk to others about Jesus, are you proclaiming a gospel that can be hated? Or are you just kind of taking the edges off of it? So We have to be willing to be faithful with the gospel and proclaim a gospel that can be hated. If we make it, listen to me, if we make it our aim to please people, we can never be faithful to Jesus. It's the gospel that builds the church. It's God's message. He has entrusted that message to us and we must deliver that message and He does His work through the message. And when we start chiseling things away from the message and watering down the message, we lose the message. Therefore, we lose the truth of the word. The gospel that we must preach is the gospel that God gave us. There's some tracks over here on the table and I probably need to get more, but they say, what is the gospel? And in that track, it'll outline the gospel for you. So I would suggest that you read over that. It's really just a summary of a book that Greg Gilbert wrote entitled, What is the Gospel? Remind me to put some of those. We need to put some of those on the table. But here's the gospel message. There's some necessary knowledge for the gospel to make sense. And in our culture today, we can't assume people know anything about the true God. You used to could assume that. You could assume people knew at least some of the Ten Commandments. You could assume some things that they had been taught, but not anymore. So the gospel, and this is a really quick nutshell, but just check the boxes. A gospel is first a message about God. The gospel is first a message about God, that He is the creator of the heavens and the earth, that He is holy. And a purer eyes to even look approvingly upon sin. He must judge sin. He must deal with it, or he would not be just. Think about a a, a judge, a common day judge, or a judge in our culture. And there's a person who's murdered someone in your family, and they go into the courtroom, and they all they do is say, "Judge, I'm sorry. I wish I hadn't have done it. I'm sorry for doing it." And the judge says, "That's okay. Then you don't have to be punished. You can go your way." How would you feel about that? Now, from the lesser to the greater, God is holy. He always does just and right. He never does wrong. Sin is an affront to His nature. It's a violation of His law in thought, word, and deed. It's an assault and a rebellion against Him. And He must judge sin. And the bad news is, coming down from God, that man is sinful. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Therefore, all are born under condemnation, needing a Savior. What God should do with each one of us is condemn us. And if it was based on us, that's what He would do. Because God doesn't compare us to one another. He compares us to His righteous standard, which is His law. And we have all fallen short of that in thought, word, and deed. Therefore, we all need a Savior. We're sinful. We deserve wrath. Now, here's where the good news starts coming in, right? Although we were sinful and deserve condemnation and we couldn't save ourselves and we just make the matter worse when we try, God sent His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, the eternal second person of the Trinity, the Son of God, took on a true human nature. That's why we call Him the God-man. He was born into this world under His own law. He fulfilled His law in thought, word, and deed to provide a perfect righteousness for His people. And then He died to pay the just penalty, the soul that sins shall die, right? Eternal separation from God. He was God and man, so He could pay that in full on the cross. He paid our penalty on the cross. 
and showing that it's true and acceptable, he was raised from the grave the third day. Best provable fact, easiest to prove in history if you don't use a double standard. The resurrection is the proof God has given that Jesus is his son, has died for our sins and been raised. Jesus Christ died, he was raised, and now salvation is a free gift. Christ died for our sins. Think about that. You all know this verse. For God so loved the world that he said it was just okay and we could all come into heaven. You better get a new translation if that's what it says. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son to live for us, to die for us, to be raised for us, that we might repent and trust in him. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him, literally into him, shall not perish, but have everlasting life. So that's our response is to believe in him, to repent and trust him, to turn from rebelling against him and loving sin and making everything about us to turn, submit to him, receive his son as our savior. In the process, we get a new heart and we, we trust and want to live for Jesus. But God's message is about a holy creator who sent his son to save a sinful uh, race. His Christ, the God-man who died for our sins and was raised from the grave and what he requires of us and what he indeed commands of us, you heard that in the message last week, is that we repent and trust his son. We must deliver that message faithfully. And if we do, some will hate us and some will love us. And we just have to be okay with that. See, no one is going to feed us to the lions yet. Anyway, very few of us will face any, any really harsh verbal assault even for the gospel. But whatever comes in result of our being faithful with the gospel, Jesus is worthy of our devotion. Preach, teach, share, proclaim the true gospel and pay the price. Jesus said in Luke 9, 23, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. Jesus has entrusted to you and to me his gospel with which he builds his church. What will we do with it? Let's pray. Lord, make us faithful. Revive us, refresh us, renew us. May our lives be centered on you, Lord Jesus. May we be truly and growingly able to say to live is Christ. For me to live, life is Christ and to die is gain. Help us to rest in and to believe in you and trust in you. Help us to hold to and believe the true gospel. And help us to be faithful with that gospel, to share it with those around us, Lord. To pray about it. To seek your face about it. To have you refresh our burden for the lost. To be praying for those around us that we know are lost and or we suspect are lost. And to be actively sharing this good news of the gospel. Help us to do it in gentleness and in love and in faithfulness to you. But help us to know that not everybody will love it. And that's okay. And really it's a good sign. You said rejoice and leap for joy when others reject you and speak evil of you on my, for my sake. So help us to be faithful. Help us to love you. Help us to trust you. Help us to teach our kids and, and flowing out of our houses to our neighborhoods and our workplaces and our church and every Every sphere you put us in, help us to be the light and salt that we are for the gospel. 
And Lord, if there be anyone listening in here today that doesn't know you, I pray that your gospel, would you would do your work in their hearts through your gospel, that they would come to turn and trust in Jesus for the salvation of their souls. Lord, have mercy on us. We praise you for your grace. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.